Amen. Starting a new series tonight on the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, he'll be reigning. He's reigning now. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. But one day he's coming to planet Earth. Amen. And the Republicans and the Democrats will be out of a job. No voting. Just Jesus going to take over. Amen. How many are okay with that? But what you are not doesn't matter. He's going to take over. Revelation chapter 19. We're going to go into chapter 20 in just a moment. But I have a scripture I want to read to you in verse 20. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to be talking tonight about the thousand year reign of Christ. And um, verse 20, this is after or at the end of the great tribulation. Jesus Christ has treaded out the wine press. He's put down the enemies. He's conquered in the, in the, in the uh, battle of Armageddon. He's won the battle. His vestures dipped in blood. Not his blood, but the blood of the, his enemies. And Jesus Christ is going to set up his own kingdom, King of kings, Lord of lords, on planet earth. Amen. And that's a wonderful thing. Notice what he does with the false prophet. And notice what he does with the Antichrist, which is political. See, the beast is a political Antichrist. A, a man, yes, but a, a political Antichrist. The false prophet is an Antichrist, but he's a religious Antichrist. He's the false prophet. And so notice what Jesus Christ does with the beast, this uh, political Antichrist, and this false prophet. Verse 20, and the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. By the way, you're going to find out at the end of this chapter 20 that they're still burning, they're still alive in the fire. And notice what Jesus Christ does with the devil in chapter 20. Now, Jesus doesn't do this. He just sends one of his angels. I don't know whether it was a puny angel or a big angel, a strong angel. Don't know. But how many know it don't take a real big angel to take care of the devil? Amen? And it says in verse 1, And I saw, this is chapter 20, an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain was in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him, notice this, a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus Christ, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived, and they lived and reigned with Christ, how long? A thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. 
This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such a second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him, how long? A thousand years. And when the, how long? The thousand years are expired. Satan shall be loosed out of the prison and so and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. And the number of them is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the, that beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Short, short war, very short battle. And the devil that deceived them was cast, notice where he's put, same place the beast and the false prophet is, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are still burning and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I'm going to use for a subject tonight the thousand-year reign of Christ. You may be seated. This is very interesting when we stop and look at the fact that there are so many disagreements as to what this thousand years is. You know, I never was tremendously good at math, but I know the difference between a thousand and two thousand. I know the difference between a thousand and three or four thousand. There are people that believe that the thousand year reign began at the cross of Calvary, and that's over two thousand years ago. There are people that believe that the thousand year reign is just a number. Just a long time. And where I will admit a thousand in the wrong place is a long time. But a thousand is a thousand. Six times in this 20th chapter, six times, it says a thousand years. And if the Bible says it once, that's good enough for me. But six times it says it is a thousand years. Now, there's different beliefs concerning the millennial, the millennial reign. And you say, well, what in the world preacher is millennial? Well, millennial is a Latin word. Many, m millennial means a uh, um, thousand, and annul means uh, years. And the Bible uses this word, millennial, meaning a thousand years that the devil will be bound, shut up in the bottomless pit. An angel will take him with a great chain. I don't know what kind of chain it is, but I know it works on the devil. And anything that works on the devil, I'm, I'd want it in my toolbox. Amen? He's bound for a thousand years in darkness, in the bottomless pit. He can no longer touch the world because now he's bound like the other angels are bound now in the, in the great Euphrates and other places in the abyss the devil will be bound in the bottomless pit with a great chain in darkness. There's something about darkness. I learned um, several years ago when you go down deep, there's a, there's a cave in Kentucky called Mammoth Cave, huge cave. I think it runs 300 miles underground. And they took me down to the suck it up path. You say, what's the suck it up path? It got so narrow in that cave you had to get sideways and suck it up just to get through. 
And boy, did I suck it up. I was fatter then. I was really doing some sucking up. But anyway, I got through the, the, the tight place and the great big opening. And of course, they had light pipe down there, which I'm glad they did. And then they said, we want to show you, you are about, I think they told me you are about 60 miles underground. And they said, we're going to turn the lights out. They said, now don't move. Just hold, you know, just be still. Don't move. Don't try to go anywhere. We're going to turn the lights out. They turned the lights out. Trust me, I wasn't moving. I was barely breathing. I never been in such darkness in my life. And that's the kind of darkness that is going to spellbind and bind Satan for a thousand years. Woo, praise the Lord. Now there's different teachings about this millennial reign. And um, there's three main teachings about the millennial reign. Of course, mine, mine is the right one. Well, hey, you don't want somebody to get up here and him all around, don't know whether he's right or not. Amen? There are three main views of the millennium. One is the post-millennial view. So what is the post-millennial view? The post-millennial view is the church will do such a fine job bringing people to Christ and the world will just be converted to Jesus. And the world will become a utopia because the church will be so powerful and so effective that we will usher in a utopia, a great golden age. Well, that, that theory, that post-millennial was pretty popular up to the Civil War. Then, you know, they got into the early 1900s, very early 1900s, and they had breakthroughs through medicine, you know, machinery, inventions, and people began to think, you know, wow, we're bringing in the golden age. I mean, come on, when you invent a can opener, you're close. And they were inventing things. It was incredible. And they thought, sure, we got the golden age coming. We're going to usher in the coming of Jesus Christ. That's post-millennialism. But after World War I broke out and World War II broke out and Spanish flu broke out and sickness and disease broke out, this theory or this belief on post-millennialism tended to fade away some, uh, quite a bit actually. There are still people that believe that in the kingdom theology, they believe that the church will bring in the kingdom and usher in the king and he will show up. That's post-millennial. Then there's all millennial. So, well, preacher, what is all millennial? All millennial. Well, the all means no. Let me give you an example. A theist, see, the all is an A, and the A denote or, you know, eradicates the previous statement, all, an A. And so if you take a theist, a theist believes in God, believe that there is a God. Add an A to that, and you've got atheist. No God. That's what all millennial is. No millennial. They teach that 
It's all symbolic. It's all spiritual. It's all just types and shadows and that, well, they actually believe in the, in the um, uh, replacement theology. They believe that Israel has been replaced by the church. They believe that Israel, you know, is not nothing now. And the church is the only thing that matters and that everything is spiritual. And there is no such thing as a thousand year reign. They say that if there is a reign, it's Jesus reigning from heaven. He's not reigning from the earth, nor will he ever come and set up a kingdom. They do believe in the return of Jesus in judgment, but it's really weird, some of the things they believe. They believe that the millennial, and not all of all millennials believe this, but there's so many that do, that believe that it's, you know, Israel is out of the picture. There's no literal millennial reign, no literal reign of Christ. So the all millennials, uh, not all of them believe this, but there are some that believe that during that thousand year reign, most of them believe that thousand year just means a long, long time. They don't believe a thousand means a thousand. You know, Jesus started reigning at the cross and raised again from the uh, grave and the millennial started then and somewhere along the line. And by, by the way, post millennials teach that it'll start somewhere at the best time. The, that thousand year usher golden age and then the Lord will come back as king of kings and lord of lords. But all millennials, they are really mixed up. You say, why are they mixed up? Because they go, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Every time they read the Bible, ah. Uh. They just want to make up stuff. And, and, you know, I've spent a lifetime, and when I say a lifetime, I've been saved 45 years or better. I've spent a lifetime putting pictures together in God's big picture book. And if you can't get the little pictures to fit, the big picture's not going to work out. And a lot of people want to interpret the big picture in their mind and decide the big picture without putting the little pictures in their place. And so I want to give you the little pictures so that we'll have the big picture and understand that this all-millennial is it's just, it's just kind of wacko. I'm not being unkind. I'm just saying that when you replace Israel and you say, okay, all the promises in the Bible are to the church and not to Israel, then you've you, you'll never understand your Bible correctly. You will never understand the Bible correctly if you erase Israel out of the equation. You just will not. You cannot understand it. Because Israel is a very important part of this Bible and the things of this Bible. And so there are people that believe that in the thousand-year reign, while Satan is bound... No one on planet Earth will be here. Everybody will be dead. There'll be a deep, dark planet annihilated by the wrath of God, and that'll be it. There won't be anything alive, and for a thousand years, this is Star Trek stuff, baby, Star Trek stuff. For a thousand years, the planet will lay dead, and then when God will come and recreate a new heaven and a new earth. But the first thing he's going to do is he's going to raise the wicked up from their grave. And the wicked's going to get up and they're going to join with the devil because the devil's going to be released for a, 
for a short time because, you know, he's, he's, he's bound on a barren planet. He's punished in the, in the darkness. Everybody's dead. But when, when he's let go, God's going to raise all the wicked people up and the wicked people are going to follow the devil and they're going to rally and gather the nations together. My question is, how does the devil gather nations when everybody's dead? And there is a scripture in Jeremiah, and we'll pick this up later on in our study, where it talks about everybody's dead. And they take it out of context. Hope I didn't confuse you, because it really is strange, some of the beliefs of this. But um, our millennial, millennial is not what I believe, because I believe the Bible. Post-millennial, the church will never get it done. We're never going to see peace on earth without the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. We're never going to see it right, never going to see it flourish without the knowledge of Jesus Christ on planet earth. I heard someone on the radio the other day, they said, we believe that in the next 30 years, we will have a medicine that will make mankind live forever. Yeah. And said, if anybody dies, it'll be because of an accident. We can't get to them quick enough. We're going to give them a pill, a medicine, they're going to live forever. And I'm thinking, sign me up. Wait a minute, no, don't sign me up. Let me line up with Jesus because he's the only one that can keep us alive forever. But you know, you've got world like that. And it's interesting that the millennial race at this time is more interested in that stuff than they are the millennial reign of Christ. I think it's interesting the millennial people were born, you know, I'm a, I'm a uh, what they call it, a Baby boomer. I'm a boomer. Man, when I was a baby, I was a boomer. I'm a baby boomer. And then they got different, and then they have the, uh, they, they have these uh, millennial group of people. And it's interesting that they may be the ones that actually will see the millennial. I don't know. But the premillennial, and I want to talk to you a little bit about the premillennial, because the premillennial is the scripture. It is the Bible. It is the Word of God. The premillennial is the most popular view by the ancient saints of God. Way back in the beginning of the church, everybody held to the premillennial view. The premillennial view means that when Jesus Christ returns to planet Earth, He will make a kingdom and will rule for a thousand years and make promises to Israel, keep those promises and bring in a utopia and bring in a peace that is incredible and there is going to be great things happening during that thousand year reign. And if someone dies, they'll die at a hundred year old and if they die at a hundred year old, it'll be because, well, the scripture says they were misbehaving. It's interesting that during the millennial reign, we, the church, are going to be in glorified bodies. And we're going to rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years in glorified bodies. Amen? Now, there'll be other people on the planet won't have glorified bodies. They won't have them. And, you know, you know if, they, if they fuss with me, go ahead and fuss. I'm big enough to take you on. We'll be ruling and reign with Christ. Uh, the Bible says that God promised the church in, in the second chapter that they could actually rule 
the nations with a rod of iron along with him. And so um, we as God's people, we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ. I love that, don't you? And I'll bring the scripture out in just a little bit, but I want you to see this because um, there's, how many ever prayed the, the Lord's Prayer? They call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really not. The Lord's Prayer is in John 17, but you know, the model prayer, um, our Father which art in heaven, uh, hallowed be thy name. And one of the phrases in uh, the Lord's Prayer is in Matthew 6, 10, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, where? In earth, as it is in heaven. Has that ever happened yet? In Luke chapter 11, verse 2, it says, Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Has that ever happened yet? No, it hadn't. So God's still in the process of answering that prayer. That prayer will be answered in the future. After the church is taken, after the Lord returns, the earth will experience as in heaven, so in earth, during the reign of Jesus Christ, during the King, King, King of Kings and Lord of Lords ruling. And so there are several reasons why I believe in the premillennial view. One reason I believe in the premillennial view is this book right here. And I believe in the premillennial view because it, you get the little pictures where they belong. The big picture looks good. But if you try to get the big picture and then try to get the little pictures in it, you're in a mess. And if you spiritualize everything, you're, you're going to have real problems with the old prophets in Israel, with their prophecies. You have real problems with harmonizing the scriptures because the prophets talked about a literal reigning of the Messiah on planet earth. You can't get around that. It's just in the Bible. You can't just say, well, you know, the church took the place of, of Israel. No, the church has never taken the place of Israel. The church has experienced a great grace and a great forgiveness and a great um, birth to the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but the church has never taken the place of Israel, nor will we ever take the place of Israel. God gave Israel some promises, and those promises will be kept. Amen? Hello? I, I wrote down some things. I want to I say this. I usually try to just memorize it, but my memorizer wasn't working real good. Lay this on you real quick. The New Testament talks about the millennial. I mentioned it in Matthew 6:10, Luke 11:2. The birth of Jesus Christ. It mentioned that Jesus will rule in the throne of David in Luke chapter 1, verse 32 through 33. The meek shall inherit the earth, Matthew 5:5. 5, 5. Revelation 20, we just read it. Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46. How about Luke chapter 19, verse 17 through 18? You say, what does that say? Well, it says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many cities. Well, pray tell me, have we got any business trying to run cities in heaven? Just pray tell me, does God really need a bride that's going to run his business in heaven? No, Jesus is going to rule and reign on the earth. 
And, there, and as far as I know, there's not even any cities in heaven. There may be, but as far as I know, there's not. But God don't need our help. But when we rule and reign on the earth, we'll, we will be given the responsibility to help rule and reign. The Bible's very clear in Matthew 5, 5 that the meek shall inherit the earth. Old Testament. New Testament speaks about it. Jesus speaks about it. Old Testament prophets, Zechariah 14, we just finished that last week. Isaiah 11, Isaiah 6, 5, uh, Psalm 72, Isaiah 2, verse 2 through 4, Ezekiel 17, verse 22 through 24, Jeremiah 23, verse 5 through 6, Ezekiel verse, uh, chapter 36, verse 35, Ezekiel 48, and Ezekiel 47, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. You say, preacher, is there any more scriptures? Tons of them. Tons of them. There's more about the millennial reign of Christ in the Old Testament than there is Jesus' first coming. There's more about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament than there is even the second coming of Christ. The promise that God made to Abraham that he would give them the land. So I'm going to give you six reasons why I believe and why I am a premillennialist. Why I believe that there is a literal return of Jesus Christ to planet Earth, and he will set up a kingdom. I also want to make mention, before we go any further, ever, anybody ever heard in that golden age, in the millennium, the lion will lay down by the lamb, or the lamb will lay down by the lion? You ever heard that? Did you know that's not in the Bible? I thought that was in the Bible. I went looking for it. It ain't there. It says the lion and the wolf will be buddies. Says the lion will eat grass like an ox. We'll be see, seeing them scriptures later on. So, well, I always thought that, you know, the lamb would lay down by the lion. Well, it, I'm sure the lamb could. Since the ox has turned into a vegetarian, I'm sure the little lamb will be okay. Probably no lamb chops. The curse will be lifted from the earth. The curse and animal life will be vegetarian. What about men? I'm not even going to go there. But I will say if the animals are vegetarian, there's no difference. I still eat a vegetarian cow. I'm not sure that changes. But what's really cool is this. There won't be no more demon-possessed cats. Amen. That's good news. No more demon-possessed cats. <laughs> Trust me, there are a few. Genesis 15, verse 18. I believe in the premillennial view because of the land promise. A land promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to Israel. Go with me to Genesis 15, verse 18. Genesis 15, verse 18. And notice God is speaking to Abraham. And Abraham is so blessed by God. In fact, the first verse of this chapter 15 says that God is his exceeding great reward, a shield and great, uh, exceeding great reward. And this is what God says to Abraham. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. 
from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Now from the river of Egypt, from Egypt to the great river of Euphrates is 300,000 square miles. Israel has only inhabited and controlled at the most 10,000 square miles. And God promised Israel the land. God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he even promised Moses, the people of God, that the land would be theirs. And that's why there's such a spit and fuss over the land today. The land belongs to Israel. God gave it to them. That's good enough for me. Let them have it. Amen. The land promise. So God has to come and set up a millennial reign, a kingdom on earth, Jesus does, in order to fulfill that promise, a land promise. Now, if God gave you a promise, would you expect him to keep it? Everybody okay with that? If God gives you a promise, would you expect him to keep it? That was not done away with because the church stepped in and took over. Because not even the church owns it from Egypt to the great Euphrates. Think about that. Not even the church, the church has never owned all that. And so we can't get into all spiritual things. Look at uh, the second thing, the spiritual promise. God made a spiritual promise to Israel. Now, I've been born again. I have a spiritual promise in my life. But God made a spiritual promise to, to Israel. Look at Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Go with me there. I don't know whether I gave these notes to, to uh, Alan or not. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Who with? Israel. The covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Who? Israel and Judah, not the church. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although... I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. They shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the they know the Lord, for they shall all know me, for the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Has that happened yet? No, it hasn't happened yet. Look at Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Oh, and I can't wait to get some of this out so I can turn loose and do a little preaching. Notice in, in Ezekiel 36, verse um, 25. Let's look at verse 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. We mentioned this in Zechariah chapter 14. And ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. 
will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. You say, well, that's to the church. No, that's to Israel. Israel will experience a heart transplant at the return of Jesus Christ to planet Earth. Israel will be changed, and they will receive blessings from on high. I believe in the premillennial because of the church promise. God made a promise to the church. Look at uh, chapter uh, 2 of Revelation. Chapter 2 of Revelation, I have to get there. I don't know whether I gave that to Alan or not. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I think it's important. Chapter 2 of Revelation, and let's look at verse 26 and 27. He that overcometh, he's speaking to the church of Thyatira, or Thyatira. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end. To him will I give power over what? The nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessel of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. He's talking about the church ruling and reigning with him for 1,000 years. That's what Jesus is talking about. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know what I'll be in the millennial, but whatever it is, I'll be content with it. And I won't be afraid of anybody because I'll be in a glorified body. Amen? Now, someone would be asking the question, well, what will be on the earth during that time? And, of course, we find in Revelation chapter 20, we'll rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Someone says, well, wait a minute. Our millennia say that we'll rule and reign with him from heaven. Trust me. Trust me. Heaven don't need ruled with a rod of iron. Trust me. The earth needs it. The Democrats need it. Republicans need it. The world needs it. And there won't be no peace on earth until Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, returns. And we'll rule and reign with him. We'll come with him in Revelation chapter 19. The promise to the church. Another reason I believe in the premillennial view is because there's a promise not only to, to, as I said, at the beginning, a land promise, a spiritual promise to Israel, a promise to the church, but then there's a promise to the nations. God made a promise to the nations. Look at Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. I didn't plan to go all into all these scriptures, but I think it's important that we do that. Isaiah chapter 2, verse, let's look at verse 3 and 4. And many people shall go and say, Come ye. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and, and he will teach us his way. Who's going to teach us his way? Jesus. And we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Has that ever happened yet? No. 
And at the United Nations, a Russian, I can't remember his name, but a Russian artist, sculptured a man, a bronze statue, with a sword in his hand and a hammer in the other hand. And that, in front of the United Nations is that man, statue, hammering with a hammer the bottom of the sword into a plowshare. And at the United Nations, it has the, these scriptures I just read to you. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. Listen to me. The United Nations ain't going to get it. It's going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ will fulfill that promise to the nations of the world. Another reason I believe that the premillennial view is because the promise to creation. There's a promise to creation. In Romans, and I'll not turn there for the sake of time, but in Romans chapter 8, it says the whole creation travails and mourns and grieves to be delivered and waiting for the redemption of the sons of God. Talks about the whole world. And how many know that happened when Adam and Eve fell? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5 and 8. You've been wanting to see this all night. Isaiah chapter 11. Do you have it on the screen? Isaiah chapter 11. I'm telling you, you've been wanting me to read this all night. Verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Nothing about a lamb laying beside a lion. But the wolf also will dwell with the lamb, and the leper shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child will lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox. The sucking, suckling child, the little child, shall play on the hole of an asp. Play with snakes. Play with cobras. And, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. That's the snake dens. Play with it. And the, and the, the wasp and the stinging scorpions. And they shall not be hurt, verse 9, nor destroy. Nothing shall be hurt or destroyed in my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Has that happened yet? No, it ain't happened yet. But it's going to happen. Woo, it's going to happen. Now, you can say all day long, I'm an all-millennial. But I've decided that I am so premillennial. That if I go to the dentist and the dentist says to say, oh, I'm going to say pre. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Creation. You know, and, and I, it doesn't say it in this verse, but it, it is saying that cats will no longer be demon-possessed. That's a fact. Dogs will no longer be crazy. Animals will be nice and good and eat grass. And uh, we'll probably still be eating them. But anyway, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. But I like a good steak. Doesn't it say that man's eating grass? No, not at all. It don't even say men is smoking grass. <laughs> that's, that's some of them millennial bunches that smoke the grass, not men. 
Another reason I'm a premillennialist is because of the promise God made to his son. God made a promise to Jesus Christ that he would rule and reign on the throne of David. In the birth of him in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, in uh, chapter 1, verse 31 through 33, it says that he would sit on the throne of his father David. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. Let's go there. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. Is anybody getting anything out of this tonight? I hope you are. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. And, and I know you're really uncomfortable if you're all millennial. Look at verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. See, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger. He was born a man. He was born the man-child, born the Son of God. But he was given by God to us to die. A son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name should be called Wonderful Counselor, the Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of his increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with the judgment and with the justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. Some of that's happened, but not all of it. Because God made a promise to his son, Jesus, that he would rule on the earth. Someone says, well, why in the world would anyone, why, why would God want anyone to spend a thousand years on the earth? And I'm just going to share this, these thoughts with you for a minute, and then I'll be done. Because I'm, I'm wanting you to go home saying, you know, I, I want to study. That if, if I can just get you studying, I'll be getting my job done tonight. There'll be three different groups on the earth during the millennial. During the thousand-year range, there'll be three different groups. Now, this is the mind twister. The first group will be you and I, glorified bodies. We'll be caught up to meet the Lord, be given a glorified body. We'll be on the earth helping rule and reign with Jesus Christ like a rod of iron. It won't be a voting capacity to be a ruling capacity. And trust me, the Democrats need to be ruled with Iran and Iran. And so do the Republicans. A bunch of heisters up there. We'll get Jesus in place and we'll be all right. Amen. I'm telling you, this country's run by a bunch of stinking devils. There may be some good ones among them, but there's way too many Beelzebubs bloating our Congress and, and our Senate and our Leadership. So the first group will be the glorified saints. You and I will be on the earth. And we'll be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. For how long? A thousand years. Okay. There's another group. Someone said, well, why would there be a thousand years? Who would you rule over after the great tribulation? Who in the world could you rule over? Well, let me put it like this. The second group is tribulation leftovers. There'll be some people that will live through the great tribulation. There'll be tribulation leftovers. <laughs> and God won't kill them. And those leftovers will have babies. And the earth will multiply during this time of millennial. Now, in the, in the millennial reign, medicine will 
become incredibly, technology and medicine will be incredible. If you think an electric car is something, wait till you get a hold of the Jesus car. Amen? If you think technology's whizzing now, wait till the great architect and engineer of the universe shows up, sits on the throne of David. I mean, I mean, it will be incredible. Who needs a robot when God will give you a glorified body? Amen? And so there'll be leftover people on the earth. And, and I want to say this real quick because I hadn't seen this, and I've been praying the Lord would show me some insight to this. Matthew 25 you find the judgment of the nations. Toward the end, you find the judgment of the nations. Remember when Jesus Christ comes, he separates the sheep from the goats. And it's called the judgment of the nations. That's when Jesus comes to earth, and he sorts out the sheep from the goats. And if you read in Matthew 25, when you get home, I'm not going to read it tonight because it's the sake of time. But if you read it when you get home, it's talking about works. It's talking about visiting me when I was in prison. Helping when I needed help, visiting me when I was sick, giving me water when I need drink, feeding me when I was hungry. When did we do that? And, and they said, well, when did we do that? And the Lord says, when you did it to the least, you've done it unto me. And so when you have the judgment of the nations, Jesus Christ is going to judge people on how they treated Israel in the great tribulation. When he judges the people on earth, separating the sheep from the goats, he will judge the people on how they treated each other during the great tribulation. Visiting someone in prison. You know, I used to think, visit, you know, we got to visit people in prison. That's not a big chore, actually. I mean, if you want to visit the prison, just do something, they'll throw you in. But anyway, it's not a big deal. But visiting the people in prison during the great tribulation is a big deal. Feeding people when they're not supposed to be having food because of the mark of beast is a big deal. And so Jesus Christ will separate the sheep from the goats, the nations, and he will take the goats that are wicked, he'll throw them into the fire, they'll go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous, the righteous Jew, the righteous Gentile, and the righteous there doesn't necessarily mean born again. Righteous means to actually be on the Lord's side, do, doing your best during the great tribulation. So I think there'll even be a few people in the flesh that tried to do right, even though they weren't born again, they tried to do right, and they were not evil in the sense of evil. They were trying to do right, and I think some of them will bleed over into the millennium because the knowledge of the Lord will cover the, uh, the earth like the waters do the sea, the oceans. And so there'll be people saved in the millennium. People will have children in the millennium. When Jesus Christ, now I'm getting ready to lay something on you that's going to really, you say, you done blowed me out of the water already. Well, let me say something else. There's three groups. One, the people with glorified bodies ruling on the earth. Two, the leftovers from the great tribulation. Many of them will be cast into the fire because they are not serving God, but some will be spared to live their life out, and some of them, the, the technology and the power of God will be so great, they'll live to be a 1,000 years old. They'll live the full 1,000 years, and they'll have children. Those children will need to decide whether or not they're going to serve God. All those children will be born with an Adamic nature, with a sinful nature, but God's going to make them behave. 
How many know when you make a teenager behave, they may, it's kind of like the little girl that dad made the little girl sit down, said, you sit there and don't you get up. And finally the little girl says, you may make me sit down, but I'm standing up right now, even though she was sitting. And that's the way to be in the great in the millennial. People will be forced to live for God, but when they're when the devil's loose for a short time, then their nature will come out, and many will turn against God. And that's where you get the battle of Gog and Magog. Now, I, I realize I'm laying some stuff on you, but this is I'm almost to the end. Hang, hang on, the third group. What would be the third group? The third group would be Jews. In their earthly bodies. Jews in their earthly bodies. Because the Jews won't have a body like the church's body. The Jews will have a body like Adam and Eve had in the garden. The Jews will be given a body that's healthy. Now let me say this real quick. Did you know Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 35 and 36 says, Eden will return. Eden will return. That's what it says in Ezekiel 36, 35 through 36. Ezekiel said, Eden will return. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse, I think I have down here, 38, the, God will give people a body as he chooses. So people will have different bodies. So I don't, I don't understand that. I'm looking at different bodies right now. Come on now. Get a life. You did, Jesus. The different bodies here. Well, I, you say, but yeah, there'll be different bodies. There'll be people in earthly bodies. So Jews will be in earthly bodies. And by the way, the Jews are given a earthly inheritance, not a spiritual inheritance like the church. The church will live in the city of Jerusalem, and the Jews will go to that city for the healing of the nations, the, fig, the, the leaves of the nations for the healing of the nations, and they will commerce, and Abraham will commerce back and forth to that great city, and the saints of God will be there. But the Jews will inhabit their promised land. They will inhabit the earth. You say, preacher, I don't understand. Why won't God give them a glorified body like the church? Because they were not promised that. And in the, in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it says God will give them a body as he chooses. Now, let me just give you a little apologetics. Here's some apologetics. Do you really think that God made Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden because it wouldn't work? Do you think God failed his test in the Garden? Do you really think that what he did with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden won't work? Of course it'll work. Man messed it up. Man did wrong. So God's going to redo the Garden of Eden, and this time it will work. Because he will take sinful men and give them a new heart and a new spirit, and he will change their life, and, and eventually he will totally eradicate all sin from the earth through the battle of Gog and Magog. That's pretty cool stuff, isn't it? And, and please hear me, because it's not, you know, when you think well, I, there won't be no Garden of Eden. Yes, there will. When God did it, he did it because it was, it worked, it will work. It's meant to work. 
How many know when God made Adam and Eve, he made them to live forever? It will work. It can work. And it will work with the nation of Israel and other Gentile people living on the earth. The earth, in the final analysis, there'll be no sea. That even makes more room. Ezekiel says the desert will bloom and there'll be more room for growth. And it would just be incredible. And so, you know, the population will be accelerated because of the life of God and the grace of God. People will have children in earthly bodies. We won't, but it, it would hardly be a glorified body if you had to go into labor. Hello? And some of you didn't get that. You're not listening to me at all. So it says, why would the devil be released after a thousand years? And I'm going to be done. There's three reasons why the devil will be released after a thousand years. The first reason is all people must have a choice. They must decide. People will be born in the millennium, then they must decide whom God they'll serve. They may be standing up on the outside, or sitting down on the outside, but standing up on the inside in rebellion to God, and everyone will be given a choice. Number two, God's going to release the devil for a short time to prove that man's sinful nature is no excuse to defy God. Man will see that he has a sinful nature. Number three, to remove the last sinful, possible, rebellious creature in the universe. Now that's good stuff. Well, I just believe when everybody go to heaven and we'll just be with Jesus in heaven and it'll just be a spiritual thing and symbolic and all that. Trust me, God didn't make this planet just because he, he was bored. God made this planet to be inhabited. And I'm looking forward to the coming of the Lord. I'm looking forward to the millennial reign. We're going to be into other stuff next week. And, I, and, 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 and <laughs> this is a good study. You're, you're going to enjoy this. This is probably, you say, well, why should the people of Israel just have natural bodies? Well, he never promised them that. You say, wait a minute. Job says, when I awake, I'll awaken his likeness. Correction. Job said, when I awake, I will awaken his likeness. Old Testament, oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job. But who was made in the likeness of God? Adam. Adam. That's good stuff. Powerful. And so if you're an amillennialist, amillennial, trust me, it's a lot more suitable and a lot more glorious than just saying it's symbolic or it's just spiritual. The Lord's ruling from heaven now. Well, of course he's ruling. Well, he ain't twiddling his thumbs. He rules all the time. That ain't got nothing to do with it. What's got to do with it is God made a promise that his son would rule on planet earth on the throne of David. That God would produce a fruitful, blessed, thriving planet greater than even the Garden of Eden. God made that promise and God will fulfill that promise. And he doesn't need the White House or the outhouse, or any other house trying to tell him what to do.
He can do it all by himself. Amen? Praise the Lord. Stand with We're going to give an invitation. I went a little long, but, you know, this is a new series, and I wanted to wet your whistle a little bit, and I wanted to wet my whistle a little bit. And this is a great study. When you stop and think about it, it is a literal return of Jesus Christ and a literal kingdom set up on earth. And one day we'll see that happen, and it will be glorious and amazing. Amen? Praise the Lord. And uh, so grateful. Even the creation will enjoy the freedom and the lift. The curse will be lifted from the earth because of King Jesus. All is open. You come.